Welcome to The Innovative Executive, the show that helps you make innovation a priority in your business. Innovation strategy consultant Bella Rushi helps you rethink your business model, embrace collaboration, and leverage technology. If you want to drive innovation and bring new growth to your business, then stay tuned as she meets industry experts who share practical experience to help you unlock your innovation potential. And now, here's Bella Rushi. Today on the show, we have Julie Christensen, CEO of Gordon Labs, a black belt in lean manufacturing practices and an experienced board member. Julie has extensive experience in consumer packaged goods industry. Julie, welcome to the show. Hi, Bella. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Uh, Very nice to have you. Can you tell me a little bit about your company and what you do? Absolutely. Uh, Gordon Labs is a contract manufacturer that makes personal care products for brands. So we make things from lotions to hair care products, a lot of skincare, um, sunscreens, serums, eye creams, um, everything to keep you looking beautiful. Very nice. (laughs) With the pandemic measures that are in place today, many companies are going through re-engineering practices in their businesses. And they're focusing on safety, they're focusing on customer experience, or even reframing their business in a case from selling technology or just to leveraging the technology, right? So from your website, I saw that you have a lot of reverse engineering capabilities. What is the process to enhance this capability for your customers and how is it used in innovations? Yeah, so if it's okay, I'm going to start by giving you my personal definition of innovation. Um, I feel like a lot of people, confuse or have a different way of interpreting innovation versus invention. Einstein invented something and probably there were a lot of innovations along the way that led to that particular invention. So to me, an invention is something that happens um, that kind of is changes the way that we behave or provides a consumer uh, need that was never known before. Whereas I think innovation is a little bit more of an iterative process. It's something that takes you to a new place, continuous improvement, progress. And so contract manufacturing, which is the industry that we are in, and I've been in for over 20 years, that is at play every day. I mean, continuous improvement, innovation, whether it's you know formulation, that's the obvious one. Um, but it could be something as simple as how we handle the pandemic, to your point. It could be something as simple as how we work with supply chains with our customers. You know, that's a big buzzword right now. And everybody now knows what supply chain means and how it really um, is critical to running businesses today. Absolutely. Yes. And uh, I wanted to kind of further this in terms of do you have systematic processes in place that you use? when you're taking a product from concept to development? Yeah, it's interesting. That's really changed over the last you know, five years and really even over the last two years. Innovation and um, reverse engineering and working on new formulas and new offerings to the market, it really used to be more driven, I would say, by the, the contract manufacturers. However, now the brands are getting very savvy about the claims they want to make, the things that they want to have in their formulas, and even more importantly, the things they don't want to have in their formulas. And a lot of that's being driven by the education of the consumer. 
they know a lot more now because of social media, because of, you know, all of the different working groups that really, I guess, put that information out there for consumers. There's, there's just so much more that they know. So it's a much more collaborative process and even to a certain extent being driven more from the brand and the consumer side. Yeah, absolutely. I think you hit on some key points. A lot of the, I remember, you know, in few of my assignments, a lot of the free formulations, for example, for maybe some products are because consumers are demanding it, right? They're looking at safety aspects or they want a certain type of smell or a certain type of flavor, but it is, it is driven how are you doing those uh, iteration processes and how are you uh, taking that information from the customer and actually getting it to a place where the customer is actually happy with what you developed? Our focus at Gordon Labs is we are a very uh, collaborative, intimate and transparent organization. So we actually work a lot better and a lot faster with the customer when um, we're working together in collaboration. Um, you know, when the customer brings something to us and says, this is exactly what we want, that's more difficult. And conversely, you know, they don't really want us to say, this is what you have to have. And so it really is truly a, a collaboration. And, you know, the old adage of more heads are better than one. We always end up with a better product when more people are brainstorming and bringing their own point of view to whatever the development would be. Yeah, yeah. And then how is your testing process? Do you help the your brands or customers with testing process? So you were going from development to commercialization phase, but in between, you know, how are you doing the testing process before you do the mass commercialization with your with your client? Yeah, that's interesting as well and has also evolved a lot over the years. You know, regulatory requirements have gone up. Um, we're in California, so of course, they're even higher than they are in many other places. But people want global products. So, you know, the EU has certain criteria. Canada has certain criteria. Asia has certain criteria. So there's a lot of documentation and testing and data that is required along the way. And so we support Whatever the customer is going to be claiming or whatever markets they're going to be going to, we try to figure that out on the front end so that we're developing something that will be compliant. And also we know what they need from a data and documentation perspective and testing. And you mentioned there's a lot of regulatory requirements in California with one of the biggest trends this year is sustainability. Are you seeing that pressure um, in your state in terms of maybe packaging or any types of formulations that you're doing in terms of like reuse, sustainability types of work that you can do? Yeah, absolutely, Bella. Um, they might want to try to recycle and reuse corrugate or other materials. They want less um, waste on the filling line, less scrap. It's becoming more of a holistic end-to-end -end focus as opposed to just on the ingredients. No, well said. And I think that's great that, you know, companies are starting to look at that side and, and make it a holistic process, right? Not just the ingredients itself. It's really good to hear. Can you tell me a little bit about Gordon Labs culture? How do you produce these amazing personal care products for your customers? Well, I'm not going to lie. The contract manufacturing business is really difficult. Um, you know, I've been in it a long time. I've been on the brand side, but I always tell my people, you know, what they're doing is really hard work. And I, I really think it's one of the most challenging industries to be in. Um, with that said, it's, it's also a lot of fun. There's a lot of dynamicness. Um, 
you know, it's, it's great to see something tangible, um, sort of be born from concept to, you know, actually ending up on a, a store shelf or, you know, being in the consumer's hands. And I think that's one of the reasons why a lot of us do what we do, because we, we like that process of seeing something come to life. But it's challenging because the customers are under an immense amount of pressure from their consumers, from the retailers. Supply chain obviously has been on complete tilt for the last two years. We've done things like, you know, many companies have done, offering people to be able to work from home when needed. It's it's more challenging in manufacturing because we're actually making things in a plant. So it's not as easy to do, but really being understanding about people's needs outside of the building. And I think, you know, one thing I've focused on since I took over here about a year and a half ago is you have to find the right people. You have to select people that fit the environment and fit what we're doing here. And that's kind of my learning over the last year. I knew it before, but it it has really, really become front and center. You have to, you have to get that match right out of the gate. Yeah, no, I totally understand. I know it's been difficult, especially last year. What are you doing to motivate your culture in terms of, you know, coming up with the new ideas and supporting the clients that they ask for? How do you motivate them? Yeah, I think, you know, communication is the key to life. I truly believe that. You know, we do town halls with our team. We do monthly um, sessions where we talk about, we have a lunch with a leader program where I have um, kind of a one-on-one intimate setting with a a small handful of employees that they can ask questions and bounce things off. We have a profit sharing program. So as the company is profitable, they get a piece of that. We have customers on site all the time and our team loves that. They love to see the customer. They love to kind of show off what they're doing and and take pride in, in how they're handling those customer products. And then, you know, finally, when we see customers that win awards or, you know, they are doing really well in the marketplace or we see a cool social media or TikTok or an Instagram, it's really fun to see that come to life. And and we feel like we're part of that. Yeah, no, absolutely. I know in the past, I mean, that's great, you know, having having them engaged, having them part of the process of the launch. I know I've worked with so many companies that they say the reward system works really well in terms of. Uh, giving them the incentives to keep them motivated, right? To uh, continuously bring new products and these new concepts and to collaborate with uh, your clients on these. Um, Is there anything else you can think of that you may want to add? Well, you mentioned that I'm a lean black belt. So um, continuous improvement and process improvement, waste elimination, all of that is near and dear to my heart. It's what wakes me up every day. And, you know, one of the first key principles of lean manufacturing is you have to go to the working level, go to the Gemba. You, You have to engage the people that are actually touching the work. It's not a boardroom exercise. And so, you know, we do a lot of things to engage the people at the ground level. You mentioned safety before. One of the programs we implemented this year is um, really getting people involved in safety observations. So part of their eligibility to be in the profit sharing program is they need to be observing potential safety issues and be proactive about that. Those are the leading indicators that eventually can cause a bigger issue. And so, you know, we've, we've done things like that to really engage the working level teams. Yeah, no, that sounds uh, fantastic. 
I wanted to ask you, I know that uh, you had recently shared with me that you had a successful launch of a $30 million celebrity hair care product that grew across five categories. So how did your company help to create this demand? Yeah, so actually that was a little bit further back in my career. It was not um, at Gordon Labs, but you know, certainly we do things like that all the time. We have a lot of customers here at Gordon Labs that are really exploding and we love to be part of that growth. It's tough to start with a new brand because a lot of them, you know, are new to the the space. They don't even know how to set up a bill of materials, you know, so we're kind of walking them through that process. And the Kristoff brand that you're mentioning was a very similar situation. And I think it's it's part of the addiction of those of us that are in contract manufacturing. We love that. We love to see things that are an idea come to life. I kind of mentioned that before. And so the Kristoff brand was certainly a fast ride in that area. It went from zero to 30 million in three years, a huge backing from CVS because that was a proprietary brand of theirs. So it was a retail owned brand. Um, but we see that all the time. And, you know, you have to get in the trenches with these startup entrepreneurs and really help them develop this concept because they have the ideas. They're the visionaries. We're the ones that execute. And so I think when you get that pairing right, you you can have magic happen. Absolutely. Yeah. No, well said. So speaking of retail, I think, um, so, you know, they're obviously using a lot of digital technologies such as self-space centers, right? IoT, delivering robots. I see robots in my giant all the time. You have a significant amount of manufacturing in the lean belt you know, lean black belt experience. How has manufacturing of consumer packaged good practices changed uh, with the use of technology? Yeah, there's a lot of technologies out there that I think are right for our industry. You know, we're not auto manufacturing. We're not turn it on on Monday and turn it off on Friday and a new Subaru is coming down the line every every minute. It's pretty high changeover, you know, lower runs. And so you you can automate to an extent, but you still have to have the flexibility and the agility and um, be able to change and adapt based on the packaging style. And, you know, every customer wants different packouts and they have a special unit carton that goes together like origami. And so automating, I, I call it light automation. So where you can take people off the line, like case packers, small movements that are consistent. Uh, those are the ways you can do it. And then there's quite a bit happening in the space of, um, really understanding what's happening on your shop floor. So there are a variety of different capabilities there where, you know, you can get dashboards and you can see what's happening on your shop floor and really understand the efficiencies and and try to, I'll say, address the gaps or address the areas that are causing you downtime. I read a lot of that, that, you know, there's, you can measure inventory levels, what's on, you know, stock shelf right now, currently definitely have a dashboard um, live that you can see what's happening in real time, which is fantastic for a lot of uh, different types of uh, retail out there. What lessons have you learned as a board member with respect to R&D investments? Yeah, that's interesting. The, the boards that I've been on have mostly been nonprofits, but I've, I've certainly you know been involved in a number of different companies. And you know, I think to me, a lot of things always come down to the people. And so I think that in every case, whether it's 
the R&D, specifically the R&D department, or whether it's just development and innovation and continuous improvement. Um, I think finding people that really have the mindset of improvement and are curious and every day they want things to be better. I really think that's the key in any industry. I think that anybody can create a formula, but that's just a task, right? So asking all the questions of why do you want that in your ingredient composition? You know, why do you want it to feel this way? I think that's where you really get to a better place and something that's ultimately going to be stronger in the market. Thank you, Julie. We're close to time. And I wanted to ask you one more question before uh, we close today. What's a commonly held belief in your industry that you personally disagree with? (laughs) There's a lot of them. I think just in general, the idea that the customer is always right, right? That's a a big, you always hear that uh, saying across all industries. It's not even just our industry. And it's not that I don't believe that customers should be cared for. I'm, I'm a customer fanatic. I tell people that all the time. Like I'm very particular about how customers need to be treated and responded to and all those types of things. But the customers don't always know what they don't know. And so, again, it's that inquisitive nature of, have you thought about it this way? Why do you really think you want it that way? And really finding out from them the underlying reasons because they may be right to the extent of they want it to be a certain way, but they don't even really know why. And so I guess that's a long way of explaining maybe um, how I view customer intimacy and customer collaboration. Yeah, excellent. That very well said. I I do think there's a lot to learning about a customer than just, you know, listening to uh, just the data or getting uh, market research done, right? I think maybe getting at the ground level and actually looking at the customer and observing the customer and see what they're doing, how they're doing it, what they're feeling is uh, is going to give you a lot more valuable information to add to the data that you already collected. Exactly. Exactly. And they appreciate it too. I mean, when you ask the customer questions, they open up and they want to be part of that dialogue. Yeah. Thank you. Well, Julie, thank you so much for being on the show today. Thank you for your time. Thanks, Bella. It was great meeting you. All right. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Innovative Executive with Bella Rushi, founder of Symmetry Consulting, a firm that specializes in helping companies embed innovation into their company. If you liked this episode, please subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. Also, make sure to check out Bella's book, The Innovative Executive, Leading Intelligently in the Age of Disruption. Join us for the next episode to further unlock your innovation potential.